Well, this morning we pick up our discussion of Galatians chapter 5. And this uh, message that I have for you this morning, I've broken it into two sections. The first section is 13 through 15, and I've entitled that Freedom. And I just have one point there, love. And then the second section, 16 through 25, I have, uh, I've titled that War. And I have uh, three The word escapes me. Yeah. (laughs) Broken down into three. The flesh, the spirit, and the crucifixion. The last message I shared with you, I titled, Done, Not Do. And that message made it clear that our salvation is finished by the work of Christ. And there's absolutely nothing that we can add to it. But there is an expectation that we will walk in newness of life, that our lives will be changed by the gospel. And that's what we're going to consider today, really, is our walk in Christ, a new walk. And so, verses 13 through 15. For you were called to freedom, brothers, Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself, but if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. And so the gospel, the acceptance of the gospel, the calling of the gospel has called us who have been called to freedom. We are called to freedom. We are free from the bondage of sin. We are free from the penalty of sin. We are free to be co-heirs with Christ. We are free from judgment. We are also free to worship God properly and accurately. And, but this freedom has sometimes been misused and misapplied, apparently as it was in the day that this was written. People say, well, since I've been forgiven of all my past, present, and future sins, it doesn't matter what I do. I can just do whatever I want. And so that's why this warning here is, don't use the freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. We are not to say, well, I can just do anything that we want, that is our fleshly desires, what the flesh wants. But we are to, conversely, love to serve one another. Our love enables us to accurately serve one another. Love, oftentimes in Today's society is misused, misappropriated, to think only of sexual acts. And of course it's not just that, although certainly those should be only be done in love. But love 
means giving of yourself. And unfortunately, again, our tendency is to love somebody for what they do for us. I think, you know, probably the best example of real love are mothers. Mothers love and they keep on loving. I'm often bemused by my wife as she loves our 50-year-old sons like they were still 10 or 8 or 2. She wants to care for them continually. And I say, they're boys, let them be. (laughs) That's kind of the difference between a father's love and a mother's love. An example from my own life, this story was told to me by my aunt who was on a camping trip with my mother and father when I was a baby. My father was sitting on one of those old camp stools and he was holding me and the camp stool broke and when it broke he gave me a little toss so he could catch himself. Well, I don't know if I actually hit the ground or not, but according to my aunt, my mother really lit in to my father. (laughs) And the only thing that she repeated that my mother said was, if I was falling off a cliff, I would not let go of that baby. (laughs) So you see, a mother's love is totally self-sacrificing. And that's really what our love should be, self-sacrificing. Through love, we should serve one another. And so we are, we are free, we've been called to freedom, but we not, are not to use our, our freedom for license, to do whatever the flesh desires, but we are to use our freedom to serve one another in love. And then it goes on to tell us that the law is fulfilled in this one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, of course, this is a direct quote out of Matthew 22, 39 through 40 of Jesus when he was explaining what the real law was to love God and to love one another. And so that we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. And of course, whenever we read that, what's the first question we ask? Well, who's our neighbor? Just like was asked back then, who is our neighbor? Well, we know who our neighbor is. It's anybody that we, that has a need that we can meet. And so we are to love our neighbor in the same way we love ourselves. Nobody doesn't take care of themselves or want good things for themselves, and we should want good things for others. And then verse 15, But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. The result of not loving one another, but of being selfish, is destruction. I want to reference our recent history here. You recall, I'm sure, that we had a vigorous discussion about baptism, communion, and membership. And during that discussion, there were things said to one another that were not loving. 
and there was actually one that was destroyed because of it. I believe that your elders came up with a good solution in love and you accepted that solution and I think going forward we'll do well but the thing that I'm pointing out is that when there's a disagreement we need to be extremely careful how we treat one another and that we have respect for one another and we care for one another in love even though we may disagree on some particular issue and right now in our nation you can see how that has brought about disastrous results the race relations the election results because people in their fleshly natures are biting and devouring one another so love one another serve one another in love use your freedom for good for service for love now i said that these were two different sections but actually this first section is really an introduction into the second section because we're not to use our freedom for an opportunity for the flesh and there, and we are in war with the flesh in our bodies but i say walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh so here's the answer simply walk in the spirit and the flesh won't be a problem now i said that lightly but i really mean it i'm because the the scripture said it and meant meant it <laughs> and so now we're going to see how that's going to work out so we're to walk by the spirit and then the flesh will not have control over us for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit against the flesh for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do so when when we were saved we received a new nature we received the holy spirit but we still have the old nature that's really what he's talking about when he says the flesh he's talking about our old sinful nature it's still here it's not gone he did not remove it completely but he did give us a new nature and that new nature is what we should desire what we should move to we should grow in and should control us and the spirit is there to do it but there is a battle and that's why i titled this war it's a real battle it's a real war i know you've all heard the the story or the proverb about the guy that said i feel like i've got two dogs inside of me one is good and one is bad and they're fighting and the person he's talking to says well which one wins and the answer is the one that i encourage and that's what we need to watch out for i want to speak directly to that a little bit later so we have this conflict the old nature the new nature the flesh the spirit however you want to call it and it prevents us 
from doing what we know we should do, and then those fleshly desires are in constant conflict. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now you remember that reason, the main reason that the Galatians was written was because there was a, a desire to, be, to add to the gospel the law. And saying the law is not necessary because we're led by the Spirit. Now the works of the flesh are evident. And it gives this list of sins. I've classified them in four categories. The first group is sexual sins. And then there's sins of worship. Then there's, I I call them emotional sins. And then there's sins of dissipation. Now I hope and I expect, like me, most of you don't really have any problem with the sexual sins. And you don't have any problem with the disintemperance sins. Getting drunk and carousing. And hopefully, you don't have any worship sins. Although it is easy to have idols in our life, we need to be very careful about the things that we make important and what consume us and where we put all of our energies. But hopefully all of those three are not really that big in your life or existing even in your life. But these emotional sins, they're the ones that trouble me. Dissensions, divisions, envy, jealousy, enmity, strife, fits of anger. These are the ones that are hard, are harder, hardest to control. And the reason is self. I want my own way. I'm right. You're wrong. Those types of ideas. And so we need help. We need real help in overcoming, controlling those. And that help, as we already saw in verse 16, is the Holy Spirit. Now, also I want you to notice that these are the works of the flesh. Uh, Some translations say the deeds of the flesh. These are works. These are things that we do. Remember, the gospel is done and there's no do. Well, stop doing. How's that? (laughs) Verse 22 But the fruit of the Spirit, and it lists all of these good things, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against these such things there is no law. Now, in the first section, all of those sins, there was a law. The Ten Commandments 
said, don't do all those things. But there's no law against these. But I want us to key in on that word fruit. Fruit. A fruit tree, say an apple tree, it grows apples. And it doesn't think about it either. It just grows apples. It really doesn't even try to grow apples. It just grows apples. It can't stop growing apples. Somehow, and this is a mystery to me, even though people have explained it to me, it, the tree draws nutrients from the soil. The buds come on at the proper time. And the fruit forms and the fruit grows. Now, there are things that prevent the fruit. Insects, lack of water, cold weather. I would call those things sins of the flesh. <laughs> but the fruit, the spirit is the one that brings forth the fruit in our lives. And so the question is, what kind of nutrients are we bringing in so that the fruit can be produced? And the obvious nutrients is the Word of God. We need to be in the Word of God. We need to be reading. We need to be studying. We need to be memorizing the Word constantly, continually, daily. We also need to be praying because that's, you know, and then I'm guilty of this and I think most of us are. We spend most of our time praying, talking. When Part of the time, at least, we ought to be listening to what the Spirit might say to us. It's a two, it should be two-way communication between us and God to hear Him talk to us. So those are the easy ones. Pray, read your word. The other, of course, is fellowshipping together with like-minded believers so that we can encourage one another, so that we can instruct one another, so we can correct one another. Sometimes that's a little harder because either we're afraid to say something or we don't like what we hear. But it's something that's necessary. We need to fellowship one with another. And then that encourages the fruit. It allows the Spirit to use what's available, these nutrients, especially the reading of the Word, the knowing, the knowledge of the Word. And then verse 24. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And so this is a reality of our life. Because we have been saved, we have crucified the, the, the flesh. Now, you guys know what crucifixion is. It's the placing of the condemned person on a cross, either by tying or by nails, and leaving them there until they die, usually by asphyxiation. And this process can take several days. You remember when Jesus was crucified, because it was a holy day the next day, the Jews asked that 
they be uh, killed and removed from the cross. And so they did that to the two thieves. And now Pilate was surprised when he heard that Jesus was already dead. This was not usual. And so the flesh is on this cross. But it's not dead yet. It's dying. And unfortunately for us, it won't be dead until we are with Jesus. But it's dying. Now the question is, just like the spirit needs nutrients, what are we doing to that flesh on the cross? Are we coming along with some water? Or maybe some food? Or maybe even we're holding, lifting it up so it can breathe? What are we doing that gives nutrients to the flesh? Well, some of the obvious ones. What are we reading? What are we looking at on television? What kind of movies do we go to? What kind of friends do we have? Who are we around? What are our associates? So we need to be very careful in the kind of nutrients we're giving to the flesh. We also need to be very careful that we are giving nutrients to the Spirit so that we can have fruit. In this battle of these two dogs, which ones, which one are you encouraging? If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. This is an interesting verse. Are we lagging behind? Is the Spirit going ahead of us? And we're lagging back because of our fleshly desires? Or maybe we're running ahead, going where the Spirit doesn't want to go or want us to go. We need to keep in step with the Spirit. We need to march alongside of the Spirit in step. Keep in step with the Spirit. Let our walk be always in the Spirit. Let us pray.